This is Verlu Osthazen. I'm a partner at Shepson & Wiley in the Employment Law Department. And this is Curtis Inclizio. I'm a canon attorney at Shepson & Wiley at the Employment Department. We are going to be discussing a couple of scenarios that our clients have brought to us. And we are going to give some easy advice for people that just need day-to-day information. So, Verli, we had a scenario the other day where an employer came in and said uh, they employed an employee. And subsequent to that, the employee signed a contract and they agreed all the terms. The employee started work and only worked for an hour, went to the bathroom and never came back. The employer came back to offices and said, what do they do in that scenario? Can they dismiss the employee? What's the process to follow in such a situation? Well, unfortunately, they can't ignore the situation because an employment contract did come into existence. And so they are legally bound to one another. Obviously, the employee herself has absconded, so she has misconducted herself. But if the employer doesn't do anything at all, then they run the risk of her going to the CCMA at some stage and saying that she's been unfairly dismissed or bring them to the Department of Labor and say that she hasn't been paid. That is quite unlikely, but you need to make sure that you go through all of the processes and procedures so that if you are called before these forums, there isn't any problems or gaps. Thank you. So you mentioned processes and procedures. Could you explain just some of those processes and procedures an employer had to follow in that same situation? Well, do you know if the employer called the employee and tried to talk to her about the situation? So the facts of the matter is, I mean, the employer called the employee, sorry, and um, the employee didn't return any calls or any SMSs or any emails. And so the employer is kind of left with their hands tied and trying to figure out what to do from there. Do you know when she stopped work, when this incident occurred? A month ago. Okay. And there hasn't been any contact from the employee since then? No contact from the employee. Okay. Well, in that scenario, I would suggest the following, that they take the employment contract and they look for the last known address of the employee or the address that she gave on that employment contract. And they set out a letter saying all of the details of what's happened and call her to not an inquiry, but give her an opportunity to make representations about the end of the employment relationship or if she believes that she thinks the employment relationship should continue. And if she doesn't take that opportunity, then they probably could regard the matter as closed. Okay. On a separate note, can you explain or touch on probation clauses in that, in that scenario? How do those apply if, if they do at all? Okay. Probation clauses are important, but employers often think that if somebody is on their probation, that it gives them the right to just fire them without following any kind of procedure. And that is incorrect. So a probation period is usually about three months, depending on the kind of employment that uh, exists between the parties. And if the employee is not quite up to standard, the employer can decide to extend that probation period in order for the employee to improve and to learn the processes. But If they decide during that probation period that the employee just isn't going to make it, they are actually going to have to follow a proper procedure. And it's usually relating to poor performance or incapacity. It's not the same as a misconduct hearing. So the employee will be called and be given an opportunity to say why they shouldn't be dismissed and why they believe that they could get up to the required standard. And the employer would have to show that they won't be able to get to the required standard. If an employee misconducts themselves, so they, they steal something or they are coming to work late every day or 
they give out confidential information. You don't use the probation clause in that instance. You would just follow a normal misconduct hearing, um, a disciplinary inquiry, and the employee could be fired in that way. Okay. On a last note, say the employee returns two weeks later and says, look, I had uh, an intense family trauma. My phone is off. I was stressed out. I couldn't come back to work. I couldn't return my calls. What then is the solution going forward? Can the employer still dismiss the employee or is there sort of, do they have to take them back because there's an employment contract in place? Well, if they haven't followed our advice, which is to try and end the employment contract by sending that email or sending that letter and giving a date when that person can respond by, then they would be able to call that employee to a disciplinary inquiry and they would say that the person had absconded and that it was completely unreasonable in the circumstances. And it's likely in that particular scenario that that employee would get dismissed and that it would be fair. A slightly different scenario would be perhaps where somebody has been working for a long period of time and suddenly they abscond and it turns out that they were in an accident or they were in jail or some kind of situation where they could not get a hold of the employer at all. And then three months later, they suddenly appear back at work. In that kind of a situation, you probably would have to take the employee back because the employee will be able to show that they have really tried to get hold of the employer and that it would be unfair for the employer to not allow them to carry on with working. Thank you, Verdi. Verdi, another interesting scenario dealing with domestic workers. Um, a client came through, they had their domestic worker who fell pregnant, and um, they agreed with the domestic worker that upon her return from maternity leave, she could bring her child with her and keep her for what, four months, because at that stage the child obviously wasn't doing anything. Upon the agreement, and um, after the four months, the domestic worker continually brought her child along to the home. Uh, our client obviously questioned and said, listen, we had an agreement about the fact that the child can only stay for four months. The domestic worker raised her concerns, saying that she can't financially afford to send the child to crash. Uh, our client obviously raised the domestic worker's wages so that she can try and afford to send the child to crash. What followed is that the domestic worker stopped coming to work, uh, sent a message and said, listen, I'm never coming back. Uh, you guys have been racist. You haven't treated me well. In those type of sensitive scenarios, dealing with domestic workers, uh, their working conditions, how, how does one go about it, navigating that situation? Well, it is always a very sensitive situation because people come and work in your home. Obviously, you develop a very personal relationship with them. They're looking after your children. You care about each other. And so when these kind of situations arise, it is very, very difficult to deal with. There is a sectoral determination in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act which sets out the terms and conditions that are applicable to domestic workers in South Africa, which it's quite clear. It has working hours, it's got minimum wages, it's got all of those kind of issues such as termination, maternity leave, etc. Now, from what I understand of this scenario, the employer was actually being more than fair regarding uh, allowing the mother to bring or the, the domestic worker to bring her child to work. That isn't a usual scenario. Uh, I don't know many workplaces that do allow a mother to bring their child into work and to have the child with them while they are actually working. Sometimes there are workplaces where there's a creche available, but it's not often that an employer will say, bring your child along. The fact that they had an agreement for a specified period of time was a good idea because it set the parameters. And in that kind of a scenario, you do need to set the parameters and you do need to say this is the time when this is going to end. And then obviously you have to take steps if it doesn't end. Now, 
I can see from the situation that the employer really tried their best to suit everybody. Um, and it obviously just wasn't going to work out. But you have to cover yourselves in those kind of cases because they did try everything and they just needed to make sure that everything was documented, which is sometimes difficult, especially in a personal scenario like that. You don't want to be putting everything in writing, but sometimes it is a good idea to do that. There's no obligation, as I said, for the employer to allow the mother to bring her child to work. If they had allowed it and they had never set a time limit, then it may have become quite difficult for them to suddenly say to her, you're not allowed to have your child at work. But the fact that they had set that parameter was a good thing. When you are going to terminate somebody's employment, there are three reasons that you can terminate somebody's employment in South Africa fairly. And they are, one, that the employee has misconducted themselves. Two, that the employee is incapacitated in some way, that they, they can't do their work because they're just poor at it or they are too sick to do their work. Or three, that you need to retrench them because you don't have enough money or because the workplace is changing and, and you, have to, you have to organize it differently. So in this scenario, it's possible that they could have said, well, we're going to have a disciplinary inquiry for misconduct because you are failing to follow a lawful instruction um, and that is misconduct in itself. Uh, the second is that you, they could have actually said, well, this is an incapacity issue. You're not performing in the way that you should be performing. Your, your performance is poor and you, you're doing nothing to rectify it. Or three, they could have said, well, um, operationally, it sounds strange in a domestic situation, but operationally, we can't have you walking around with your child because you're not concentrating on what you're supposed to be doing. And the requirements of the, of the job are that you're concentrating on our child, not your child. Luckily for them, she decided that she was going to resign, and they didn't even have to accept that resignation. It's a unilateral act. She resigned, and, and that was that. If she had gone to the CCMA, she probably would have said she had been constructively dismissed, and that means that you've made the workplace so intolerable that the employee doesn't have a choice but to resign, but that's quite difficult to prove. So it is very unfortunate when these kind of situations arise and you've got to try and take emotion out of it, which is very, very difficult when someone is looking after your child. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier. You talked about documentation. What sort of safety measures should employers in these scenarios with domestic workers um, have as sort of proof or, of communication that happens sometimes on their phones? How can they document these events? Well, in terms of the sectoral determination, there are certain documents that have to be kept by the employer. So you have to have written particulars of employment. That doesn't necessarily mean a long contract of employment. It has to be the names of the parties, how much you're paying them, where the work is taking place, uh, people's phone numbers, addresses, all of those kind of things. You're supposed to have pay slips. Um, and then in an in instance like this, it would be important that the employer wrote a letter to her at the beginning of the period when she was having the child at work, setting out the parameters, so saying, we have agreed that you will bring your child for the period of 1st of September to the 31st of December, whatever it is, and then you will be putting the child into creche, and we both agree to this situation, and then get both people to sign it. And obviously, you've got to make sure that the person understands the content of what you've written to them, and that they positively sign that they understand. And giving a domestic worker a very long document full of legalese is not going to hold up in the CCMA because the CCMA will say, how on earth 
can you expect this person to understand what you are saying here? But a very clear, simple letter setting out the terms would be absolutely fine and probably would be held up by the CCMA. Awesome. One more thing that you you raised is this word sectorial determination. I'm an employer. I want to employ a domestic worker. I need to know their minimum wages. I need to know what they're entitled to, their working hours. Where does one find the sectoral determination? Okay, well, that's part of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, and it's one of the sections that comes at the end of the act. Unfortunately, in South African law, they say that ignorance of the law is no defense. So you're supposed to know all of these labor laws, even if you're not a labor lawyer yourself, and you're supposed to keep a copy, funnily enough, at your house if you're employing a domestic worker. But it's actually quite easy. All you have to do is Google it, put in domestic worker sectoral determination, and all of the information will be there. And there's also the minimum wages set out there. And it's quite a low wage. Uh, it's, it's actually very low. So most people do pay more than the minimum wage. But if you are paying someone more than the minimum wage now, and then you see that the minimum wage is lower than what you're paying, you can't suddenly turn around and lower the person's wage. You have to carry on at the wage that you set in the first place. Um, and then perhaps if it's becoming expensive, then you don't have very large raises on a yearly basis. But it is something that you do have to follow. You're compelled by law to do so. And there's various sectoral determinations. So there's one for the security industry. There's one for the farming industry. And they try to make it specific according to the specific needs of that uh, sector of employment. Thank you, Verli.